It took more than a year for JCPS students to return to the classroom after COVID hit. And now that they're back, some parents are learning that instruction isn't quite what they expected. We investigate the complaints. JCPS is just doing the best that it can in terms of uh, trying to navigate this, this uh, pandemic because nobody's really uh, done this uh, in, in, in recent memory at all. I mean, you know, this is just a totally unprecedented situation. From the digital journalists of WDRP.com, this is Uncovered, a behind-the-scenes look at stories affecting education, business, criminal justice, and more in Louisville, Kentucky. And now, for the show. This is Chris Otts of WDRB.com. And I'm joined today by our education reporter on the digital side, Kevin Wheatley. Kevin, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Chris. We're going to discuss what's going on with JCPS, uh, the Jefferson County School District. Uh, they are still not completely back to pre-pandemic operation but they did get back in the classroom back in March. So why don't you just set the stage for us? What is going on uh, with school at the various levels in JCPS right now as we head toward the end of the school year? Right now at JCPS, they're operating on a hybrid learning schedule, um, except for students with special needs or, or they need different therapies, that sort of thing. Um, Essentially, how it breaks down is kids who opt to go for in-person instruction get two days in the classroom um, and two days working on assignments from home. And then the, on Wednesdays, uh, those are reserved for all virtual learning for all the students. And it's about 60 uh, percent, two thirds of all um, 90 plus thousand JCPS students are back uh, in school. Uh, as part of the in-person option for JCPS. And, and for some folks, you know, that's a welcome, it's obviously welcome. They're getting kids back in the classroom, but for other people, it's uh, kind of a, a bit more of a, a struggle. I, I think it's fair to say, because they feel like uh, some parents that we've talked to feel like um, kids aren't getting a full-time, um, full learning time, essentially, because they're in the classroom for two days and they are basically just doing assignments from home. So that it's kind of presented its own uh, issues and things like that, that JCPS is just doing the best that it can in terms of uh, trying to navigate this, this uh, pandemic because nobody's really uh, done this uh, in, in, in recent memory at all. I mean, you know, this is just a totally unprecedented situation. Yeah. Kevin, before we get into what issues this hybrid schedule creates, uh, for parents and students. Let's talk about where this idea came from in the first place. Going back uh, a month or two, there was a debate at the school board, right? Some people wanted to go fully open. Uh, other people wanted to stay uh, completely virtual until the end of the school year. And then this kind of split the baby solution presented itself and was adopted pretty quickly, it is right? Official. JCPS will start to reopen its schools in just a few weeks after the pandemic kept those doors closed for an entire year. And as WDRB Sarah Sidery explains, the plan barely passed tonight. Sarah? 
Well, this was tough on the board tonight. The plan moving Well, there, I think that there was some debate vote. on um, staying virtual versus allowing some form of in-person instruction, right? Um, originally, Dr. Polio, Superintendent Marty Polio for JCPS, um, he wanted elementary school students back in, in the classroom five days a week as part of his recommendation. And middle and high schools will be uh, operating on these hybrid schedules that we see now. Um, I think that there was a bit of a uh, needle to thread at the school board level. And so they uh, there was a late amendment to uh, Dr. Polio's recommendation to put elementary schools also on this hybrid um, learning model. So, you know, I think that there was, I think the debate was mo primarily centered on, do we stay virtual for the rest of the school year or do we have some form of in-person um, learning for the rest of the, of the school year because of vaccinations and, and around that time we started to see our COVID-19 numbers drop. And so it was almost like um, there was some concern going back that they would create sort of super spreaders or, or it would just uh, exacerbate community spread here in Jefferson County. But um, from the numbers that we've seen, that hasn't really been the case. Our numbers have still kind of stayed um, fairly low. I mean, there were months and months and months that Jefferson County was just in the red, deep in the red uh, on the state's color-based incidence rate report. Um, but now, you know, it's, it's obviously improved a great deal. And um, I think for now that they're going to stick with it for the rest of the school year. Um, there's really, it's, it's almost getting to the point where it's too late to change uh, the schedules and that sort of thing. Yeah. So school ends what at the end of May, is that right? Uh, yes. Uh, that's it. The end of May, um, you know, they're just so they basically have a month left. And so I guess you're not seeing any uh, any momentum for people saying, let's go all the way back, everyone back full time in this final month. Well, there are certainly people that think that um, that 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 want to go back full time. I don't, I don't want to, um, you know, minimize their thoughts. But I think when we talk to. Uh, board member James Craig, he said that there's a 0% chance that the school board even considers changing. As a board member, um, one of a team of eight in charge of running this district, um, I think that it would be really unhealthy for us to try to turn the Titanic around again. Um, it, the, the district moved heaven and earth. Going back to uh, five days a week for even at the elementary level, which is what Dr. Polio originally recommended. And with just two months to go to change the way that we're delivering education again, which would essentially be the fourth time uh, that we're delivering education to 100,000 kids inside of a 12 month period, would just be unhealthy. Uh, this, is, this is what we're gonna do for the rest of the school year and we're gonna do it as well as we can. This, this school system is just, in, in terms of scale, it's so much bigger than other surrounding counties. I mean, surrounding counties here um, are back uh, in a lot of cases five days a week, but you know, logistically and getting uh, buy-in from teachers, from staff, from planning, uh, you got to get principals involved in how does this work? How do you maintain social distancing if all the kids are back for five days a week? How do you, you know, Logistically, how can you do this? And I think for some places, it's just it's not necessarily possible under the parameters of the you know the current guidance that schools have to operate under. 
uh, at least for JCPS, yeah, given its size. Well, let's talk about a story that you and our colleague Valerie Chin did earlier this month, a really good story. Hybrid learning at JCPS poses new problems for some parents. It took more than a year for JCPS students to return to the classroom after COVID hit. And now that they're back, some parents are learning that instruction isn't quite what they expected. We investigate the complaints. So what are some of those new problems with this on-again, off-again schedule? Well, kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, there's, there's this thought that kids are only getting learning time two days a week or three days a week if, if on the virtual um, side, and then they have to complete assignments for the rest of the time. Um, you know, so there's not as much instructional time in a given in a given week as there would have been pre-pandemic. I mean, I think right. that's fair to say, right? Right, and the legislature gave a lot of flexibility this year for this school year um, during this year's legislative session, allowing schools to operate on hybrid um, learning schedules because just given the, the realities of the situation that we're in. I mean, this pandemic's not over. Um, and so I think that if you talk to people from JCPS, the, you know, the, the thinking is that we're just doing, we're doing the best that we can given the, the current situation and the current realities that we find ourselves in. Um, but for a lot of parents, that's not, you know, that, that's not good because obviously it's, a, it's their child's education. Back to school in person. Why it was even an option for elementary to do hybrid is beyond me because they can't. Sarah Hagen's first grader, Callan, goes to Stouffer Elementary School. During NTI, students had live instruction several days a week, but that all changed on the hybrid schedule. Students with last names A through K go to And... Um, you know, there are a lot of issues in terms of trying to find childcare for two or three days of the week while they go back to work. So um, between that, between completing assignments, we talked to a parent who said that the assignments are um, done in, in, in basically a day, uh, if that. I've seen a lot of coloring come home, <laughs> a lot of uh, drawings that he's done. The way the hybrid system works, the same teachers work with one set of students earlier in the week and another and, set later in the week. And, you know, you, you, it's really creating new headaches, whereas some, you know, that they didn't have in all virtual <laughs> learning time, too. So, you know, it, it's just every change seems like it poses a new uh, problem or issue that parents and families need to sort out. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to stress the childcare piece that you mentioned. You know, th th sometimes our beats intersect. And one thing that I'm looking at uh, for future stories is, you know, Governor Bashir just reinstituted uh, work requirements for people on unemployment uh, so to say what jobs they've applied for and what efforts they've made to look for work. And one of the things I'm trying to figure out is, how does that relate to people who are un unemployed because they don't have childcare? Uh, and that is still a valid reason to be on unemployment uh, through the federal program during the pandemic. Uh, so anyway, it's a thorny issue. 
for the parents who are who are dealing with this for sure. And as somebody who's got kids in daycare, like there's not a lot of two or three day a week daycares. I mean, they, they just don't operate like that, uh, you know. Um, so I guess you're either stuck paying the full cost and not using it on a full time basis or what have you. Uh, but it is certainly a tricky situation for for many, many people. So let me get to the big question, Kevin. In your view, from speaking to board members, from observing board meetings, from talking to the superintendent, how likely is it at this point here, April 27th, that JCPS returns to full-time in-the-classroom instruction when school restarts for the new year in August? I think that's the plan. I mean, that's going to have to be the plan at this point because there's no more flexibility in terms of what the state's going to allow them to do as far as their instructional days, as far as how they're going to count attendance and that sort of thing. So I think that it's um, very much a return to normal, for lack of a better term, uh, for the school year next year, especially. I mean, they're talking about expanding virtual options uh, through Jefferson County High School, but you know, really, it's it seems like they are going to be <clears throat> very much focused on um, going back to a normal uh, learning schedule next year. And you don't see any chance that that could change if, say, the pandemic goes on a wrong track and becomes worse locally. What if Jefferson County goes back in the red? Uh, won't there be, be people saying, hey, we can't go back? I mean, I think there will. Uh, at this point right now, I can't really, you know, because that's, you know, a hypothetical situation. But I think right now they're the, the everything that, that they're looking at and all the parameters that they're under right now, um, there's a chance for anything. There's a chance, you know, maybe an asteroid drops on Dan Hoos or a school or something like that. But I think right now, given everything that's happening, the direction that the state has given um, and, and the direction of the pandemic uh, around here, they're definitely planning to go back to in-person. Um, it's just going to be a traditional uh, school year next year, um, you know, at this point right now. All right. Well, as a parent of an incoming kindergartner, I sure hope that, that that continues to be the case. So we will see. But there is some debate about the school calendar. Uh, and this is something that you've written about recently. Uh, it has to do with whether there needs to be more school days to make up for instructional time, help catch kids back up from this year of virtual school, right? Can you explain uh, this issue, please? Yeah. So Dr. Polio has uh, talked about increasing learning time at JCPS, both through changing um, the, the calendar, adding a few more days, summer learning opportunities and that sort of thing. Um, I think the, the, the main proposal right now is to look at adding four instructional days next year. Now, the school district's calendar committee uh, didn't is not going to offer a recommendation on that, um, at least at this point. I don't know if they're going to come back and, and change that, but um, we heard a lot of pushback from uh, representatives of teachers and staff unions, um, basically saying that they polled their membership. Um, I think, you know, and, and it was very strongly um, against adding instructional days. I think that, that some of the concerns that we heard raised um, during that meeting were that 
just adding more times, it it's doesn't really, they don't think that it's going to do a whole lot and it's not targeted. So it's, it's not really, um, they, it, what, it didn't seem like they had a, uh, a, a really, they weren't convinced that this was going to be a, a good strategy to use. So, you know, we'll see if there's time, you know, what Dr. Polio, his team does to try to convince them um, to go along with it. But it, at a recent school board meeting, that's, that's definitely still on the table um, for them. And the school board can still act without any sort of recommendation from uh, the calendar committee. So we could still definitely see this uh, as a possibility uh, in the near future. So these four extra days would be in the school year that that is coming up in August or would they be in this current school year? No, it would be in the next school year. And they want to use, I think it's about three and a half million dollars of federal stimulus money per day um, to to pay that. So that's part of their um, strategy to use a lot of the um, the federal money that's flowing to, to schools as a result of the pandemic. Well, I know, Kevin, you know, if you asked me, uh, if my boss came and said, uh, what do you think about working four extra days? I might be a little skeptical of that uh, and not so much based on my assessment of whether I need to do that or whether it would help the organization, but just because I don't want to work four extra days that I'm not scheduled for. Do you think is are those kinds of concerns? I mean, I could understand that on that behalf of teachers and staff. Do you think that's at play here? And uh, and I believe you said they would be getting paid for those days. So they would be earning more money, right? Am, am I following it correctly? Oh, yeah. I mean, they, it was definitely, that's part of, that's the main driver of the three and a half million dollar cost. I mean, this isn't volunteer time. I mean, they're, they're professionals. And so they're definitely going to be paid um, to, to be there for work. So uh, and maybe that's part of the confusion too, because this was kind. This hasn't really been discussed or vetted um, in, in great, great detail. So there are definitely a lot of questions about, you know, what's going to happen. How is this going to affect pay? Or does this have to be, you know, um, you know how this affects the, the the collective bargaining agreements that they have in place? So I mean, there's definitely questions, but um, you know, they they will they will be paid for uh, any extra days if they're approved by the school board. Uh, so do you think perhaps some of the opposition that you saw in the initial surveys may have been based on confusion about whether that would be the case, whether they would would get paid for those days? I don't know about confusion, but definitely there was some uncertainty around the details. And so, I see. Um, yeah, I think that there were a lot of questions that still needed to be answered. Um, not, and, and not to mention the, the overall question of, is this a effective strategy to help kids who may have fallen behind academically while they were learning, learning from home? Well, let me ask you about that, Kevin. What are the arguments that it wouldn't be an effective strategy? Because like, I'm not an educator, so I don't know this stuff really, really well. But I would just think common sense would tell you that if kids did fall behind, during this very challenging virtual year that having more time to teach them would help catch them up. So what, you know, what's missing from that equation? I mean, why is it more complicated? Uh, I think there's a general pushback um, that we're starting to see on the, under the, against the concept of that kids lost track academically during the pandemic because um you know, nationally, there's some arguments that some kids did better because they weren't being bullied or they have, you know, some anxiety or something like that, that 
they're more comfortable learning from home and therefore they're, you know, more engaged with their learning and that sort of thing too. You know, I, I and I'm not a, a necessarily an education researcher or anything like that. I read a lot of studies and, and reports and things like that, but um, there's definitely a growing pushback on the, the concept of learning loss and um, how school districts need to quote unquote handle there or deal with that. Well, Kevin, I would think the way to know for sure whether there had been any learning loss from uh, virtual school is to test. Uh, but I know that there was a waiver of standardized tests last year as the pandemic came on. Are students in Kentucky and in JCPS going to have to be doing standardized tests this year? Uh, yeah, they got a waiver to waive testing last year at the beginning of the pandemic, but this year they're, they're going to have to do it. They did get a waiver at the state level to where they're not going to have to count that for federal accountability purposes, but they are still, they still have to test. Interesting. Well, I guess then this idea of how much learning loss there was or was not, could, we could get some real data to show whether that's true or not, I guess. Is that right? You could. Um, there's also map testing measures of academic progress that JCPS does and is supposed to do once they start getting kids back um, as well. So there's there's a couple of different indicators that you could look at in terms of you know how kids are doing academically. All right, Kevin, I'll end on this. You're so dialed into JCPS. What are the things that you're looking uh, uh, to in the next weeks or months? I know we're coming into the end of the school year, so maybe things are just winding down from a decision-making and policy-making perspective. But what what is on your radar for things to watch with the school district? Uh, I think the calendar is definitely one thing, and and uh, if they change the school start times and end times, which is another piece of this equation too. Um, that's another thing that they want to do. And, you know, obviously there's a lot of different indicators like we've discussed, um, what sort of data is available there to tell us what's going on at JCPS and, um, you know, how kids are responding, being back and, and that sort of thing. So there's definitely a lot of uh, data to track. Uh, we should touch on this if we haven't already. What What's the proposal about the start times for schools? What's the idea there? It's They haven't given any specifics. It's very general, just talking conceptually about the differences between adolescents and younger kids and um, how, you know, starting early isn't necessarily the best thing for some children. So um, I think that there, there's not a concrete proposal, but that's something that Dr. Polio has discussed at a recent board meeting. All right. Well, Kevin, thank you very much for staying on top of this and for sharing your knowledge with us today. And we will definitely be coming back to you as we approach the new school year to see where things stand. So I appreciate you coming on the podcast as always. Always glad to. The Uncovered Podcast is a production of WDRB Media. Please subscribe, review, and rate wherever you get your podcasts.